Hey everyone, and welcome back to yet another installment of the Weekly Catch-Up Podcast. It is Sunday, August 22nd, 2021 in the year of our Lord, and this marks episode number 80 of this humble little show. I'm your host, Carson Gibbons, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Mr. B-Rad Colvin. That'd be me. 80 hangs, buddy. 80. 80 80 episodes worth of content. It's a big deal. It is. Any other shows that you like that made it to 80 episodes? Um, I mean, a lot. You're shaking your head now, but. I'm not. (laughs) I'm just shaking. (laughs) I I feel like all of my favorite ones did make it to 80. And so I feel like hopefully we're the favorites in the eyes and ears of many of our listeners. You know, Andy Griffith had 249 episodes in syndication. Couldn't make it to 250. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he uh, he picked up the mantle with Matlock. He had a couple hits. Yeah. How long? How long was how, how I Met Your Mother? Um, that was like eight I years, say eight seasons. So that was probably about one hundred and sixty episodes if they were doing full twenty-two episode seasons. Yeah, man, there was a lot of content from that. You know, yeah, there were. You know, they're doing a uh, How I Met Your Father. Really? Yeah, with Hillary Duff. Okay. Yeah. You call me when Haley's uh, cast. <laughs> I'm all about Haley Duff. There you go. Well, we've been at this uh, three weeks in a row now, I believe. So mm-hmm. episode number 80, we're super excited to get back in the saddle here. Uh, recap the week, Brad's second week of school, yeah. uh, Carson's ongoing life saga. Uh, <laughs> so are you ready to get into it? Yeah, man. Let's get it. It's the weekly catch up with Carson and Brad. Here to talk about the week we done had It could be sports, religion, politics We keeping the tabs You would think they work for Gucci How they deep in their bag Get your facts up On Wednesday we'll be counting the stats up So turn the volume up till it's maxed up You know the drill So tell a friend to tell a friend to relax up And chill, we back up This is the weekly catch up Did you bring show notes? Yeah, I have a few. Okay, good. <laughs> you have none, huh? I've had no prep time. I have not meditated today, so today's going to be silly. Yeah, you're a silly you're a silly goose this morning. Silly goober. Yeah, we had some good laughs already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been here for all of 10 minutes and <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, so some days, you know, I just show up and I know exactly what type of pod we're about to have, and I'm looking forward to this one. I am as well. It's been a fun weekend filled with uh, filled with friends, and excited to continue it with you today, Mr. Bradley. How was uh, how was the first full week of school? Well, let me tell you, um, busy, very busy, and I will say on Wednesday. <laughs> Wonder if people can hear that. <laughs> I don't know. You keep talking. I'm going to go close yeah. that door. All right. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, so starting on Wednesday, uh, we started our mask mandate again. So, you know, I had kind of raised some concerns whenever we recorded last week as far as that goes. And um, it, so our elementary school and the college both have had COVID cases started popping up. We've been fine, but um, we're kind of mask mandating in solidarity with them and also just trying to stay safe since we know that. COVID is in the city of Keene. Um, COVID yeah. touched down in the holy city? It did. You remember how they would always talk about how Keene was like the Mecca and the holy city because any like 
weather storms dude any storm any tornado would like lift up off the ground and like go around us and then just devastate cleburne yeah them baptists weren't safe is all i'm saying yeah Yeah. so what does that say about keen now (sighs) well um maybe the lord doesn't look as favorably upon keen Mm. since they're since they standards fell we we gotta (laughs) we gotta switch it up we're we're wandering that desert right now i feel like cta is definitely like a kind of a powerhouse of the academies for yeah. sure but southwestern is definitely the weak link of the schools yeah as compared to <laughs> yeah. i mean you went to the other powerhouse southern southern baby for a year and they weren't i mean their english department sucked but uh everything else was great i remember Wooly not allowing you to like transfer english no, no, credits no. he from... tried to get me like he wrote he wrote emails for them to accept my transcripts and southern wouldn't I thought it was the opposite way around. No. So Southwestern accepted all of Southern's credits, but not the opposite way around? Correct. Wasn't our program for English more robust yes. and harder? It was. Wasn't theirs more like, I mean, not as secular or open um, to secular? Yeah, I would agree with that too. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because Willie was always able to approach things from like a, a spiritual perspective. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have a problem if you were reading like Harry Potter or watching Gossip Girl or the like he was he found merit in like mainstream media and, you know, how it could be an analogous with like, you know, the the Christ story or Or whatever. Even even like just reading all those secular stuff and looking at it through a Christian lens or anything like that. And that's kind of how I based, you know, my lessons in my classes. But yeah, at Southern, uh, they told me that they would accept it. I got there. Remember the. my advisor, he like had me come to his office and I was like, I need help picking my classes for this coming semester. And he said, I'm not here to hold your hand. And I was basically like, you're my advisor. You are here to hold my hand. That's exactly what you're here for. I remember that exact comment. Wooly, Gardner and Dineski all emailed like in my favor. Uh, And then I provided like essays that I had gotten A's on from all of them. And they still wouldn't accept it. And then that guy retired and now he's dead. So <laughs> are we happy about that? No, I mean, I'm never thrilled at the loss of life. No, yeah. no, but you're like, you know what? But I, I think there's more opportunity for English majors. Uh, now, you know, if he had just retired, there still would have been op- more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Brad's back is up against the wall. So never a fan of death, but um, you saying never, that the I English... Never, like, I didn't, I didn't even... I wouldn't even say I hated that man, and I would never, <laughs> wish, I would never wish death upon, like, my worst enemies, you know? No, of course but, not. No, yeah. but uh, that I had that totally opposite in my mind for some reason, because I thought that Wooly looked down on Southern's English department. Yeah, no, that's, that's why I was in college for five years, because I basically wasted a year at Southern because they didn't accept anything. So then I came back and finished up. Southern was so interesting. You know what one of my main takeaway impressions after having visited for uh, my sister's graduation in like 2014-15? There's girls out here. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, there's definitely... Uh, a population of of women that was not present at Southwestern, right? But um, what I was going to say is, like, the segregation there was mm. so obvious. Yeah. Like, 
I thought that was the weirdest that coming from Southwestern where like, dude, whites were the minority. Yeah. We were, we had 55 countries represented. It was like kind of split. They claimed it was kind of thirds, you know, mm-hmm. third uh, Caucasian. I think it was like a third Hispanic and a third everything else, right. you know, like, yeah. and you get to Southern and there was white people and there was black people and they did not mix it up. Nah, not a lot. It was weird. Yeah. What was uh, that? Racism. Okay. I mean, that's, Yo, that's you remember the uh, app Yik Yak? Yeah. Yeah. So that got banned on campus because people were posting like crazy racist oh, stuff on there. That's not cool. Like there. Yeah. There was like a for Vespers. There was like a black dude given, you know, a, a sermon and just the things that they said on Yik Yak was crazy. Yeah. That's like one of the most counter like antithetical yeah. situations to like the Christian experience it, you're yeah, supposed to be having there. It's insane. Yeah, it was not not good at all. And um, Yik Yak's back. Um, yeah, as of like last week or two weeks ago. Are you seeing it on your campus? Uh, not yet. What do you mean Yik Yak's back? Did they sunset so, it for a yeah, while and then yeah, it came yeah, back yeah. for real? Yeah, or? because there was like Southern wasn't the only place where people were posting crazy things. Um, and so now, like, you open it and it's like, I don't know, has a bunch of positivity, like. Yeah, posts nice things, I guess. I don't so know. the platform itself kind of rebranded its prompts to like be a more positive influence. I think so, yeah. Because it was basically just a, a crap-talking channel yeah, that super... allowed you to be anonymous within yes. a certain geo net? Or... Yeah. yeah, so uh, it'll tell you like, oh, these people posted within five-mile radius of wherever you're at. And you kind of see what's going on in that town. Uh, people would crack jokes, uh, and then people would say outlandish things um but yeah it was basically used to see anonymous posts from people in your area and it's just a thread can you upvote you, or comment you, yeah you in up, line? you can comment you can upvote and you can downvote so whatever you know gets upvoted the most that's that's probably going to be at the top of your feed um yeah man that's I'll, I'll tell you that i think that society and culture have moved considerably from 2014 to 2021 mm-hmm. to where like a lot of that stuff was more commonplace. I would say some of the things that some people would say at like a younger collegiate age in more of that crowd mob mentality, especially anonymously. But to think about somebody like sharing their personal testimony or like yeah. giving up their talents from the front and then people are being racist is like, um, it just shows that you really have, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you haven't actually been out there and, and done that, you know? Exactly. But I just remember that. Like I, I remember walking around the campus and you would see, you know, a group of like 40 white kids walking together and then you'd see 40 black kids together and there was just no crossover whatsoever. And I remember commenting on it then and everybody was like, Oh yeah, that's just the way it is here. <laughs> and I'm like, why? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak on how the campus is now, but that was, for the most part, my experience there. If you tried that stunt at Southwestern, you would not have any friends. You know, if you were only going to befriend white people, you'd be like, all right, hey, uh, hey, Carson, hey, Michael, (laughs) hey, Heston. (laughs) And there's my friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But instead, I got to room with Cameron Burks. What up, Cam? I I didn't know you guys roomed together. Yeah. In Miller? Yeah. No, in the uh, villa. 
Oh, the street. that was your roommate whenever, whenever you were, I moved back. Whenever you were in that all white party going across the street to <laughs> Subway. <Whatever>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that was just me and myself and I. Going oh, to Subway. he'd already left. Uh, no, I'm just saying that day, like I was. By but myself. he was he was living with you at that I time. Think so, yeah. OK. He just had a another milestone. Was it an anniversary or what happened? No, he just had another an, another baby. Another baby. OK. Yeah. So congrats to them. Are they in Dallas? Yes. Where? Uh, I don't know. You always ask these questions. I should, I should know better things about my I mean, friends. you used to live with him and you're bringing <laughs> him up. You bring him up every episode. <laughs> Cameron, Brett, Brad they live, is like they're living in Denton, man. Mad man crushing on you. Yeah, I love Cam. You guys are like that's my boy going to the the rosewood mansion on turtle creek <laughs> yeah he went there yeah you guys are just following uh-huh. each other yeah yeah man meet cam and gary those were those are some fun days uh yeah gary was super talented he was on the voice right correct what is he is he still pursuing like a recording man. career oh yeah dude and he's been killing it he uh so for those that know gospel music you would know the name fred hammond and gary's been working very closely with him they just released a single like last week um gospel type music and yeah it's like huge for him speaking of gospel this happened a while back but um what's his name is it kirk franklin uh-huh is he the one that he's a little bit older now and has like a full-grown son that's like 33 years old yeah and they were on facetime or something or a phone call mm-hmm. and the son recorded kirk flank kirk goodness dude i'm like kirk franklin my r's today are <laughs> really I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Having a stroke. Um, <laughs> he recorded his dad. He like screen grabbed it or something. Yeah. And apparently his dad was just laying into him like with expletives yep. and like, you know, good piece of whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, it didn't seem that Christ like. And so he got a lot. He was trending on Twitter. And yeah. then he came out and he was like, if you, if a brother needs to rebuke another brother in the name of the Lord, <laughs> let it be done. You know, I was like, hey, that's, that's my kind of Christianity. <laughs> He's like, I'm letting him know. I'm like, yeah. I mean, yeah. how many times did God get angry in the Bible? Right. Just kill everybody. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Didn't he get mad at all those people and Samson went and killed him with a donkey jawbone or something? Yeah. Yo. That, Yo, that's kind of if Quentin Tarantino story. decided to do the Bible, Yo, Sam, Samson alone, Samson, M- maybe he should do like a biblical cinematic universe. Like, you know how Marvel has the Avengers? Let's get like a Tarantino biblical yes. universe. You shall not pass. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're not going to get back on Lord of the Rings. <laughs> we, we, already, we discussed that last week. These are the tablets <laughs> of stone. <laughs> Who would you play in that movie? Who would I play? Who would you play? Okay, let me think about this. Who would you play? Do you already know? Jesus. No. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Judas. <laughs> hey. 100%. Stop that. <laughs> um, man, I don't know. You no, know I'd be never. Lot. <laughs> <laughs> Turn him back. Yeah, I'd be like, what's going on? <laughs> salt. <laughs> yeah, I love salt. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'd be um, my wife. I'd be Delilah. Yeah, yeah. Just come cut your hair, be red. Take take all your power. Be like, thank you. <laughs> oh, that's good, man. Just paste your hair to the back of my head like a ponytail. Whoa, that now it's getting odd. Yeah, yeah. A couple episodes ago, you had me growing a tail, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Who 
would I be? You tell me who I would be. You would be, uh, you'd make a killer Moses, son. You think so? Yeah. Hey, Grow that part, beard out. Part in them seas. You could be Abraham. Hey, Father Abraham. Father you, Abraham. You, you all my sons. I could be Isaac and you could like kind of kill me, but not. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, where would you even start? Like with Quentin Tarantino's like bloody rewriting of history. You know, I love the way that once upon a time in Hollywood, instead of Charles Manson and everyone killing everybody, they get killed. Yeah. In Inglorious Bastards, it's like, no, nah, we flipped the script. Right. Um, you know, what what story would he start? Obviously, it would be Old Testament. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking like maybe in the beginning of the movie, we get a little background of like the Adam and Eve type thing, you know, and that sets up maybe Noah. Okay. Okay. And then we get like everybody's like, oh, this this fool's whack. You know, the, what, what's rain? What's rain? <laughs> yeah, this man's crazy. And then... um. I don't know. I, okay, I know so, that they already did it like a Noah movie, but I it was it didn't it was They good. did. They did it do a good. Noah movie. They've done obviously the uh Mel Gibson mm-hmm. um Passion Yo, of the Christ. I uh, feel like Quentin Tarantino would do a good Cain and Abel. Mm. Mm-hmm. That would be really good. Yeah. Cain the, the first murder? What what was the problem? One was a hunter and one was a vegetable grower and the hunter killed the vegetable grower or was it yeah, the opposite was, way around? Yeah, he was pretty jealous of uh Abel was jealous of the favor that their father would show Cain. Because he was like, look at these red ripe tomatoes. And then Cain would be like, look at this buck that I just killed. Or did I say that backwards? (laughs) He's like, I shot this at the edge of the Garden of Eden. It would have been here forever (laughs) had I not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, like, there's one. What did I say? So Cain was the one that uh, killed Abel. Cain killed Abel? I remember how I said that. Cain was the hunter? Yeah. Okay. Would have been cooler if the vegetable grower had killed the hunter, in my opinion. Well, that's your David and Goliath story. Yeah. I feel like Quentin could start back closer to the garden because, yo, there's like some true detective weird stuff going on back then. Because, you know, this all got started because brothers and sisters got together. That's the reason you and I are here today. Unless you have a different uh, thought process there as Mm -hmm. to how this all occurred. Yeah. You don't? No. Okay. Is that not wrong and weird? Uh, uh, yeah, in today's day and age, uh, that would that would come across as makes you wonder if we were weird. just still evolving and stuff because you know men had like concubines and wives and for hundreds thousands of years, you know, like yeah. Abraham had like how many wives? Newton, uh, Solomon. Solomon had a thousand wives the, and concubines. You know, he was the wisest man. Yeah, he was. And uh... tell you who I'd be. I'd love to be Solomon. I'd be like, cut that baby in half and bring me both of its mamas. <laughs> John, John Mulaney has been on that. Have you heard it? Uh-uh. Uh, just talking about like, yeah, I'll take the top part of the, of the you know, whenever it's the two women deciding. The top they, part? Yeah, I'll take the top part. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, you wanted to cut the baby in half? Clearly, you're not the mother. It's like, well, yeah, I wouldn't have cut the baby in half either. Would that have made me the father? Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm not getting that joke. Is he okay. is he out of the old rehab? Uh, who knows? But he was like walking around with Olivia Munn, I think. No, he was not. Yeah, bro. He dumped I'm, his I wife. I need to go and... check into this rehab. Olivia Munn, Sloan Sabbath? I want to say it was Olivia Munn. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. It pays to be funny. Yeah. Man. No doubt. Olivia Homie, Munn? Uh, 
what uh you you lent me his book um that just had a baby with scar joe oh did colin joe did yost yes. have a baby with scar yeah. joe i didn't know that it pays to be funny oh wow he really he was like i'm in here but i'm not all the way in here yeah, i need to lock this lot, down yeah. i need this marvel money for yeah. life there's got to be more papers for her to fill out and <laughs> <laughs> we got to make this a little more difficult he actually married her and got her pregnant yeah. and had a baby with her mm-hmm lucky son of a gun i love the whole uh dynamic between him and pete davidson where Mm -hmm. colin jost is like staten island's favorite son but you know did you read the book yeah okay so i didn't know his mom was like so prominent in new york life uh she was like the number one commissioner of the fire department Mm -hmm. on 9-11 right yeah i thought that was a great book do you have it uh not with me but we I need to do back. we need to do I a book to, swap because yeah. tell you what I'll I haven't picked up this die with zero in forever but I'll wrap that this week and then oh we're not doing the podcast next weekend but yeah. in two weeks let's do a book swap done deal book swap for that sweet next week I will be in uh, fabulous Las Vegas Nevada yes for you'll be there for a bachelor party yep we're giving uh, we're giving away Michael Denny his hand in marriage. Mm-hmm to Shelly Seals uh, come December. So she had a Charleston bachelorette party a couple of weeks ago. And um, I just got word that she's going to do a little Dallas one-nighter for um, all of us girl guys, (laughs) all the guys that couldn't (laughs) go because she has some besties. So Mm -hmm. I'll keep you in the loop on that. But um, yeah, Michael, we fly out Thursday. There's like at least 10 or 13 guys going. We got a whole block of rooms over at the Cosmopolitan and, um i'm not even sure what all i think he knows about everything but he won't have listened to this i don't believe we're going to um we're vip at wet republic on friday Ooh, like cabana go. bottle service everything yeah so that's going to be turn love it excited for that yeah y'all stay safe thank you yeah we'll be fine i know we'll be fine uh so yeah so schools we're wearing masks again yeah last last um, sunday we recorded weekly catch-up podcast uh-huh. so uh you had kids monday through friday this week i did um things are going well wednesday mask mandate started yeah. mainly for solidarity with southwestern or? well it's just like people are catching it so we want to be proactive and, and so you went opposite right. because the the first couple of days where emperor jenkins had the mask mandate out you know, a lot of the signs changed, like our mask policy has changed. And so I was just kind of like, I had one disposable mask left over. I used it a couple times. And then when I would go into Chipotle or something to get to go order, I would just run in and grab it. No mask, just chance it. And then the Governor Abbott overturned it with that, you know, uh, Texas Supreme Court or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the signs went down. And so I feel like by Wednesday of this week, you know, yeah. it was all over. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, we weren't really. I mean, I guess if they mandate it, well, of course we would wear them. But we're also just looking at, you know, what's happening around us and our vicinity. And if uh, cases are flaring up, then we're just trying to do our part. Um, but, you know, it is odd, you know, everybody coming in on Monday and Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, we mandate it. And so I have these sophomores that are asking me, you know, what's your stance? Like, why do we have to wear these masks? We didn't have to yesterday or, you know, what's changed. And, um, so those 
honestly, those conversations like wear me out because I just don't want to argue with anybody about COVID. Like I know how serious it is. And I, I like, I feel like some of my students, you could tell that they were being, you know, fed information from their parents and like they were making it more of a political thing than like a disease or a sickness. Um, yeah. And I, I'm just not the person to mess with whenever it comes to that. So. So some of the kids you can tell are at a home where it's being politicized. Yeah, like it's, like it's it's more about freedom than it is about <laughs> keeping everybody safe. Right. L- like, li- yeah, it's funny, but like it, like literally. Uh, I have a lot of friends that call bullets freedoms. Yeah, <laughs> They're like, right. let's go shoot some freedoms. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we all. Uh, that's uh yeah. You can be free. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like the whole like gun situation where. I, I tell people whenever they say anything about me having a gun or whatever, I'm like, hey, listen, you can be right. You can be dead right. You know, <laughs> I'll be alive. Yeah. So I'll be alive wrong. Yeah. Rather be alive and wrong, son. Yeah. It's have you rooted out like this might be real talk and maybe something you don't even want to answer. But are there you have seven day Adventists in your class. Yeah. You've got. I bet some backslider, you know, some backslider families where it's mm-hmm. like that kid doesn't go to church. Sure. Maybe it's just kind of more of a culture thing. Mm-hmm. And then are there any like kind of explicit, like I'm not yeah. SDAs here? I, I don't know about currently, but I've definitely had students that were open about that. Yeah. Have you picked up on any like deep seated, uh, like you're like, oh, I know that this person comes from like a QAnon family or like a MAGA family or something. Mm. Yep. His face. His no. face lets us know that. No, that... I was just thinking. Yeah. Okay. So you're no. thinking about how many you have? <laughs> yeah. I'm no, getting. Not my students. We need we need a video podcast because <laughs> <laughs> that face told me everything. Well, I didn't say anything. So. Did you go watch the QAnon doc on HBO? Not yet. Joe Rogan was raving about it. Yeah. Uh, on the pod over the last week or two, and saying like, "Dude." All the points that I made on the podcast like a month ago where I'm like, January 6th wasn't like MAGA people first. They were QAnon people first. Yeah. Um, it was really interesting. He also had on Megan Murphy, who was uh, – she was labeled as a, a turf. Okay. Um, that she got banned from Twitter for life for saying men aren't women. Mm. And she had her on the podcast. And one of the things that she was saying that was so fascinating to me about – all of the topics that we were discussing last week was that it's a religion, you know, because mm-hmm. she had tweeted, what is the difference between, you know, a woman and a trans woman? If there's no surgeries, if there's no hormone, you know, changes or any of that, what's the actual difference? She said, you're, I have to go off of your word and what you feel is right. And she said, it's a religion because it's faith-based. Nothing biological has changed. She said, uh, you identify as this way and we need to like take you at your word with that. She said, this is a faith-based woke religion that's not actually grounded in any actual change on paper. And I I thought that was interesting. I forget why I was going there, but. um, You were talking Joe Rogan. Yeah, he was just plugging that QAnon docuseries that I've seen pick up a lot of steam. So I, again, I would. I would encourage all of our listeners to go watch that because I think that your whole opinion, like there's a group in this political landscape that we haven't all truly identified. Like for the longest time when QAnon was really raging, 
it was just kind of this faux pas thing that was like, oh, it's some fringe white right wing white dude, it's right wing conspiracy that, you know, only the crazies are listening to. And I feel like a lot of like serious people didn't follow it in the moment. And then once everything was said and done and this beautiful docuseries comes out, it's like, oh, this is fascinating to study. Yeah. And it explains a lot. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to get on that. The listeners, let's see. Now I'm like kind of stumbling over my words. The listeners will, uh, let, let's all watch that. And then I want to talk about it more. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I forget why I was getting on to Megan Murphy, but we can just we can move on. Uh, I we thought were, that was interesting because yeah. it was some of it was in direct response to the Jack and Vigil or Vija episode where Jack Dorsey and their mm -hmm. chief counsel went on, and it was funny because Joe actually called her out on it. He was like, "So you don't know why you were banned?" He said, "Can I tell you what they said?" And she said, "Yeah." And he was like, "You." were asked to delete the tweet about men aren't women and so you did and then you screenshotted it and you reposted it <laughs> and she was like oh i i didn't know that that was against the rules <laughs> i'm like really <laughs> I mean, tried to find a loophole there a couple good episodes though and he was definitely plugging that so i feel like it's picking up okay it'll probably win some awards and that was the adam mckay one that we discussed yes. with colin holback or something mm -hmm. he goes direct to the source dude yeah okay pretty crazy yeah so, yeah so kids come back masks go back on on wednesdays so there right. were no masks right. except for the conscientious on monday tuesday mm -hmm. or anybody had masks uh some people a couple of kids were wearing masks okay. i was wearing masks uh i would say half of the teachers were wearing masks um, by the same token of like you've definitely from your face um from your facial expressions let me know that there are more conservative types that might be prone to some of the QAnon conspiracies or like, you know, Donald Trump is Cyrus or David or any of those kind of out there situations. By the same token, do you have like, you know, just really lived up, masked up people that you've also identified? Yep. Okay. Do you have the full gambit? Do we think that this is COVID or Delta? Because um, I was talking to Shelly yesterday and she was telling me about a bunch of symptoms that she'd had that were similar to mine when I had just, is this strep for like a yeah. month? And she said that Delta actually manifests itself like strep in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. but you won't test positive, but the same like white specks at the back of your throat and all of that, yeah. a lot of that is uh, consistent with Delta. Yeah. And so she had me thinking for a second that I might've had Delta back in late June. Hmm. Um. So from what I understand about Delta and any listener, if, if you find, if you think I'm wrong, let me know and educate me. Uh, I think that Delta um, is, I think it spreads more than the regular COVID, but my understanding it's less deadly, but um, on the same hand or on, I believe that kids can get the Delta variant uh, more easily. Yeah. Um, and then I know like at Courtney's, like she's on the neuro floor, right? They've turned it into a COVID floor because they don't have any more room. They've done this with multiple floors. And I know other hospitals are having to do the same. Like um, a, lot of, a lot of places are out of beds and rooms and um, it's kind of ramping up again. So it, it's a difficult burden for some of our friends in the medical field that are in hospitals 
and we're all out here like, oh, Abbott won, no mask, let's go out, let's make dinner reservations. And I, I talked to our friend Perry, who's a nurse at Baylor, mm-hmm. and I mean, she literally was DMing me and just saying like, dude, it's like a, it's like a, a killing floor. Like she's like, people are dying left and right. Like ICU is at capacity. And like now Courtney is seeing all this stuff where it's like her floor has changed into a response floor for this particular situation. And so we're all out here like la di da Mm -hmm. and they're seeing it all on the front lines. And really the main thing to be concerned about is like ICU bed capacity in the country at this point. Cause I don't know, like, it seems to me like whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, you're going to get Delta mm-hmm. no matter what and be able to spread it. Yeah, there's a good chance. I'm not quite understanding why vaccinated people are angry at unvaccinated people if we can just both as easily be carriers and my symptoms will just be less severe. Yeah. Well, I think it's that uh, there could be like a widespread, you know, every the country closing down again and everything when if people had gotten vaccinated, their symptoms wouldn't be as severe. I I think that would be the argument of those that did get vaccinated. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Like the serious, obviously it's still serious. You got to take care of yourself. You got to get treatment and and whatnot. But, um, you know, the death toll would be a lot lower if everybody were to get vaccinated. I believe that would be the argument. For sure. Absolutely. I just, um, I don't know, man. It's crazy. It's yeah. One of the things that we need to understand is that this whole concept of like, oh, if we just mask up, if we just flatten the curve, if we just all get vaccinated, this will go away like it never happened. That is not the case. Like, as I understand it, COVID is going to be here like the flu is going to be here. Like there are going to be variations and strands and Mm -hmm. there's going to be bird flu. There's going to be swine flu. There's going to be flu flu, all these different things. Um, And the other thing that I was talking about with some friends this week is whenever we get sick now, our first thought is COVID. Mm -hmm. We're like, oh, no. Like I was talking to Shell Bell and she was like, I got sick. I immediately go to my doctor. I'm like, give me a COVID test. And the doctor kind of laughingly says, hey, you can still just get a normal cold. Like not all is lost. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, With. Yeah. I don't know what all we're getting into today but you know we also have um uh, let me we have uh the afghan government collapsing um we have you know all these sicknesses we have these debates and so like i know you and i were kind of immersed growing up uh, you know believing in the end times and everything like that so i want to ask you like do you ever ponder that type of thing still like being a little bit more removed, not being in, in school and (laughs) you're like being less saved now, (laughs) not being less saved, but I mean, like we've had conversations on here. So I want, I want to know from you, like, do you think it could be signs of the times or are you just like, ah, this is just a cycle. You know, a lot of, a lot of these things have happened hundreds of years ago with illnesses, new, new diseases and, and uh, you know, different government, collapse like this isn't the first time that any of this has happened i guess in the world's history so i just wanted to know your thoughts on that okay so i'm glad that you asked about this because it's also a question that i want to kind of flip the script on you about because 
it's something that I've been inquisitive with my my parents about, and like mainly because they propagated kind of the the Adventist Christian faith in our household, and mm-hmm. you know steered us in that direction. So sometimes, you know, as an adult with a relationship with my my parents, they're not very prescriptive with you know how I should necessarily be living or anything like that. Like I think their main priority or focus is to remain close to me, no matter what my walk or thought processes sure um but i i do like to quiz them i'm like yo do you see all this as like signs of the times like mm-hmm. in times you know i feel like there were so many evangelical series that i went to with all these horns and devils and monsters mm-hmm. and revelation and you know the mark of the beast and all this different stuff that i'm like how could you not view all of this as signs of the times and i also thought in the initial election between Hillary and Trump that you, most people that were convicted evangelical Christians, I felt like their hands were tied. Like they had to vote for the guy because, yeah, because they believed Hillary. Well, he was advocating for things that were in their best interest. And uh, I feel like a, a vote for Hillary and that kind of thought process was kind of like a vote for science or government as a religion. Mm-hmm. Like it really was going to make government gods and, it's any listener that's listening to this, please, if you're not of the, the SDA faith originally, this portion of the conversation may be less for you. I'm realize that I'm coming at it from a perspective that might make me sound a little radicalized or whatever, but I'm talking about our evangelical Christian upbringing. You know, I talked to people, remember this conversation after church one day where I'm like, you know, some people were radically opposed. And I was like, well, what is your other option? Mm -hmm. What is your other alternative here? And a lot of them were going to sit it out or write in. And I'm like, that's not, that's not good faith, you know, like, um, but essentially your question is kind of like, is COVID politics, everything that's kind of circulating signs of the end times? Right. I don't know. It, it certainly feels like it to me. And I think it'd be exciting if it was. I'm one yeah. of the few in that respect that, you know, oh, I'm I'm down. OK, good. Yeah. Growing up, I was like, I don't want Jesus to come back yeah. until I've had um, a good chance to live my life. Yeah. And I, I told my dad that and I said, is that wrong? You know, at a younger <laughs> age. And he was like, no, man. He, he was like laughing. He's like, no boy wants to be taken up to heaven before he gets to experience everything on this earth. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, no, I felt the same way. And now it's just like, man, I'm I'm ready to get rid of this back pain. (laughs) Well, I'm not one of those, uh, woe is me. This isn't my home. I I never enjoyed those types of Christians because I do think that we were put here to live our lives and try to enjoy it. And Mm -hmm. Ecclesiastes kind of says there's a, a season for everything under the sun. So get busy. Um, but yeah, it's gotta be right. I mean, Mm -hmm. when I ask my parents about this kind of thing, they're less convinced of it. It appears like, and I think that part of that is just the sensationalism of like real time news coverage, a scenes all unfold in real time. But what I've learned is that if you just go back to the Netflix docuseries section, crazy stuff has been (laughs) happening yeah. every decade since time right you it, know yeah it's just recorded more like, now when i think about some of the unprecedented financial things that have happened to the market since mm-hmm. i've been alive the terrorist attack on september 11th like some of these core things 
dude, every generation had that. How do you think my granddaddy and them felt when Pearl Harbor was yeah. bombed? You know, like he's probably when was that? Nineteen forty-five. Around there. Is that true? Let me look it up. Let's fact check that. Yeah. Um, that would have made him twenty, twenty-five years old. You know, like that would have been a pivotal time where he's making key decisions about his his life and his future. And then these old boys are getting drafted. Nineteen forty-one. Nineteen forty-one. So, you know, he was at the age of reckoning at that point. Yeah. So, you know, you think about that. Think about the like the Iranian hostage situation in like the 70s or the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, think about um, there was some stuff that happened in the market. I can't even remember what this docuseries was. But, you know, our parents had crazy speculative times that, you know, are just bygone. Yeah. It, it's like anything. You know, September 11th in our minds is a bygone situation. Like that happened 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. 20 years That's ago, insane. next month, yeah. it happened. And so you have boys and girls and non binary folks serving in the military right now who weren't even alive. They weren't even being thought of being conceived yeah. on that particular date. You know? Yeah. True. Like, what is their motivation? What is a current 17, 18 year old's motivation for enlisting? Um, to protect the, I mean, a lot of people feel like freedoms are being taken away in this day and age or that not everybody has that freedom. So that could be something that they might feel like they should fight for. I Um, feel like the whole end times go on. Well, no, I was just going to say, but as far as like a, an event that has happened in the U S uh, I don't know if there's any, like in their lifetime as, as crazy as what has happened in the past, but. Maybe I'm wrong on that too. I don't, I don't know what to think about some of this stuff because you say that, oh, all this has happened in the past. It's all been done before. And I think that that's probably accurate. I don't know if all of it is included in the recorded history that you and I have access to because, you know, I've made this point several times when the Spanish flu hit a hundred years ago, you know, the closest thing that we have in the modern era to a comparison to COVID, for instance, you know, there was a billion and a half people. Mm-hmm. We've eight X the, the global population in 100 years, yeah. which is really gross when you think about it, because that growth is not commiserate with a geographical landmass habitation growth yeah. proportionate, you know, like, you know, when you're in Canva or something and you're sizing mm-hmm. things up and it's like lock aspect ratio, yeah. if the population locked aspect ratio with the geo mass that it covered, instead of like 20 xing some of our cities, 100 xing some of our cities, you know, it's gross. Yeah. You think about the number of rats and rat feces in New York, in New York food. Like mm-hmm. there's a documentary out there that I refuse to watch because I know I'll never be able to eat again if I do, <laughs> you know, about rats yeah. in New York. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think that the sheer mass, the scale of humanity that currently populates the earth might be the largest it's ever been, but I'm not convinced that we haven't reached this, this point pre-flood. Okay. Like, again, I think that the Tower of Babel, what if there were 10 billion humans back then mm-hmm. and they had like their Bill Gates had really, you know, built the the mainframe, the computer yeah. chip, the whatever. Like mm-hmm. maybe they were on yeah. flying their, cars. Their and, Jeff Bezos was yeah, getting real a little one. higher, right? Yeah. Maybe their Jeff Bezos created us. Mm. 
you know? All right. I, I'm saying, like, our higher power could be, like, us from the future or the past or Dang. some sort of counsel of those that have leveled up, fused with technology, ascended, their spirit is backed up somewhere, mm-hmm. and they're running these algorithm tests. Like, it's kind of like Black Mirror, the episode with John Hamm, where you realize that the entirety of the episode has happened within the space of a snow globe that fits in the palm of your hand. Yeah. That's my worst nightmare. Like I get that scale perspective sometimes whenever you're flying in and you're like, Oh, we're like ants to something that would be way bigger. You know what I mean? Like our entire ecosystem can exist and not use the entirety of like something that would be much larger than us. Mm -hmm. I'm probably making no sense right now, but I don't know what it means for end times. Like I think that end times in some ways there could be an end times every 4,000 years or so. Like I've, I've seen some scientists talk about weather cycles, heat cycles. Like they talk about the ice age for instance and how it all melted. And I think that the earth might get hotter and cleanse itself sporadically and that we're just specks in a continuum, you know, where time is of no essence, you know, like sure. if you're external to the world and your time functions differently or at all, you know, this whole finite concept of like our hundred years or 75 years of life is irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with that. I agree with that. But I go back to that tower of Babel situation where it's like, if they were really doing things with, you know, rocks and little pickaxes and, you know, they were rolling things on primitive wheels. Like, did that really concern God, you know, or did they scale to a perspective where Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos are like, they're on Mars, they're on Pluto. Mm -hmm. They left the solar system. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. I've, I've thought those same things. Okay. Yeah. That's good to hear. Like, tell me more about your thought process. No, I mean like the tower of Babel. I, uh, doesn't add up. Yeah. Okay. Like it doesn't add up in the translation we've been given. I feel like there had to have been some type of technology where they, they uh, were flying too close to the sun. That's, that's a great, I think I've said that exact thing. You know what? What's up? I'm going to Google tower of Babel. Cause like, you gotta wonder. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So according to Google, the Tower of Babel narrative is an origin myth narrated in Genesis 11, 1 through 9. According to the story, a united human race in the generations following the Great Flood, speaking a single language and migrating eastward, uh, comes to the land of Shinar. There they agree to build a city and a tower tall enough to reach heaven. Address, Iraq. Hours open 24 hours. <laughs> Apparently, you can go leave a review at the Tower of Babel. <laughs> oh, so we can like go visit this thing? Like, ah, eh, the Froyo wasn't great. Actually, <laughs> it says tourist attraction in Iraq. So, how does it look? Does well, the, it... the old school renderings of this look sick, right? Okay. But it definitely doesn't back up like my technological perspective. I'm like, do we have taller buildings than this now? Oh, well, how, how would we know? Well, how long is it? It's not, not it's pictures not of it. How how, lar- how tall it was? Let me see if I can get more into it. Uh, according to Wikipedia, the Tower of Babel, Hebrew, Migdal Baval, narrative is an origin myth narrated in Genesis 11, 1 through 9, according to the story of the United Human Race, speaking a single language. 
There they agreed to build a city and a tower tall enough to reach heaven. God, observing their city and tower, co-founds, sorry, co-founds, <laughs> confounds their speech so that they can no longer understand each other and scatters them around the world. Uh, I mean, that backs up a narrative that we could be seeing right now where it's like some people that are evangelicals that believe in the whole Sunday law thing and Mark of the Beast and like, you know, we're going to all come together with the wrong ideology in a sense of unity and you need to resist that. Like, you know, like they're going to make a worship law where, you know, we're going to go from non-Christian to everybody's Christian. You have to worship on Sunday. And yeah. I remember That's... that whole narrative and I felt like the current political geosphere kind of embodies that in that we have woke religion, we have woke ideology that does it is faith based in certain aspects mm -hmm. and you better get on board or else. Yeah. And that's the global guiding narrative. Now, like if we all move towards that and become of one thought process, uh, that's the whole tower of Babel narrative, yeah. you know? And I don't like the idea of that either. Plus we have, you're, you're losing, uh, individuality. I would argue that everybody in the world speaks the same language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ones and zeros. Yeah. Code. We all can ingest the same information in almost the same amount of real-time uh, ingestion because okay. there's Google Translate. I've gotten emails from customers in Me Mexico. It's all in Spanish. And I'm about to be like, well, what do I even do with this? Yeah. But then I'm like, copy-paste. Throw it into Google. I'm responding in <laughs> Spanish like, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> feeling like feeling cool. Dang. Senor Carson. Yeah, I'm like, hola. <laughs> Send. <laughs> uh, como se Tower of Babel? <laughs> so I would argue that we have Tower of Babel situation going on in the unification of language. The internet has combined everyone where we've never had more diversified interests and at the same time, shared awareness of common issues mm -hmm. in the world that we could all for the most part globally um you know not condone right okay but this babble thing just doesn't add up plus i mean you're what? basically talking about god screwing everything up because it, it, it sounds like humans were going well like mm -hmm. what's the issue we're all speaking the same language we have a common desire to meet you and we're going to meet you as far as halfway as we can we're going to build a tower to the heavens mm -hmm. i'm failing to see what the issue is with that um except for what they say is that it was um flying in the face of a global flood where you know you were supposed to basically understand your role like you know i'm not god and i need to be obedient and meek and humble and all this stuff and follow whatever he has for me um we can't outsmart him but I have a hard time. You put us here. You you gave us these brains and consciousness and free will and decision making heuristics and all this different stuff. And then when we try to excel and level up, how is that not built in your image? Why do you get mad and send a global flood to wipe us all out? And then after that, as punishment, you basically start the Pangea process where all the continents were supposed to be fused together at one point and you send Africa off, you send Europe off, you send the United States off mm -hmm. and then you make everyone, what did our colors change? You know, 
did we have different pigmentation prior to this or did that go along with our language barriers that we then set up like how are we supposed to understand that right so the only thing that i see here so genesis 11 6 says and the lord said behold the people is one and they have all one language and this they begin to do and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do so if uh, perhaps that they were becoming too advanced in which they felt like they didn't need god and that could have led them astray and they they could have just started practicing a bunch of different things like i don't know i, I i'm just real time interpreting it I'd... the verses in the bible according to wikipedia make god sound very petty um verse four and they said go to let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth verse five and the lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded verse six and the lord said behold the people is one and they have all one language and this they begin to do and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do Go to let us go down and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Why would he have any concern? Because they're going to be up to no good whenever they feel like they don't need God. He's like, look at all these creatures that I created that are uh, cohabitating, existing peacefully with a common thread and purpose. Mm -hmm. Let's go mess that up. That's one of those uh, extensions of faith that you have to have where it's like uh, for 32 books or however long the old Testament is. It's like, man, this guy is interesting, you know, Mm -hmm. follow him or kill your son, turn into a pillar of salt. And then we get to Matthew and it's like, just kumbaya, my (laughs) Lord, kumbaya, Mm -hmm. just love and forget these commandments. And it's a little bit of an about face. Not forget these commandments. Well, you know, that's that's where Adam just differ from a lot of the other evangelical yeah. folks, because whenever people ask me about the whole Sabbath thing where they're like, oh, you were way different. I'm like, eh, we just read the Bible and just took it at face value. Well, that's what I never noticed, because they were like, oh, those, you know, the Sabbath law was done away with. Uh, How? When? And I'm like, well, if that was done away with, why is like the murder and the adultery and the stealing? Like, why is why wasn't the that other nine way? hold up? <laughs> yeah. The other so, nine. That, that's my only argument there. Like, but again, I, you know, there's going to be people that worship on any day up in heaven, as far as I'm concerned, as long as their hearts were in the right place. Well, are there days in heaven? You know, right? Yeah, time is a man-made, I feel, I, time is a man-made construct. We're um, we're doing our darndest to grasp at what this conceptually could be, but I don't even think that we have the tool sets yeah. at this level. Like, we'll figure it out when we die. I think that a lot of people have described just the feeling of incredible warmth and relief and happiness as they pass on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people have kind of come back from that state and been disappointed because yeah. like what was beyond uh, was so much better. Right. And again, Sam Harris, who is a known renowned atheist, mm-hmm. his meditation app convinces me of the idea of like my spirit returning to a heavenly being more so than anything else probably in life. Really? Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. like when I close my eyes, you know, are those my fingers? Or when I open my eyes, the same view that I have that shows me that I have fingers shows me that you're there. Mm-hmm. But really, 
if you took away our bodies out of this situation, this is just like a plane picture. We're in that little waiting pool and, um, uh, what's the eighties show, uh, Stranger Things. Okay. Picture where Eleven goes on that black backdrop with just the, the shallow water, mm -hmm. and we don't even have bodies. Our conscience, our consciousness, our consciousnesses uh -huh. are communicating with one another right now. Like, you could go inhabit another form, but still be Brad, because mm -hmm. you'd still say the same things. You'd make me feel the same way. Yeah, I would. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, your body is irrelevant. Sure. And your brain matures as your body becomes more weakened. You know what I mean? Like your soul is continuing to gain momentum as you go, yeah. but then your body starts to slow down. So it's not intuitive like that. Um, well, even like myself and fellow Christians believe like whenever you go to heaven, you, you're going to be placed in new bodies. I don't right. think I'll be a different person. I, I, but like you're saying, like I, I do agree that, you know, I'll have a new form. Somehow, some way, there will be a way that if we're reunited on a day like that, where you would know which spirit or consciousness was Cam Burke's. Yeah. And he wouldn't have a body. There may not be any um, uh, evident pigmentation difference between the two of you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could be just in different forms and somehow you know that's him. Yeah, but my, my form would still look cooler. Sorry, Cam. <laughs> I don't know if you have that, buddy. <laughs> he might be giving you a run for your money there. Um, but isn't that interesting yeah. that the idea that you have feet when your eyes are closed is just a sensory perception that you're kind of thinking is between your two eyeballs, but it's not even there. Because mm. when you look for the looker, there is none. Mm. Your consciousness just is. I think that the, a lot of that makes me pause and be like, what's actually going on here? Yeah, something's up. Dude, it, it's life ruining sometimes. Like you want to go out and like live this life and like, oh, cool. The Rangers game. Let's go to the water park and let's go to the bar. Like, but when you really think about like, what is going on here? It, it'll ruin your whole day. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If you really want to know. Yeah. Because I just, the way that we've been given it with this biblical narrative I think that the I think that the base foundational ingredients are there. The mm -hmm. frameworks are maybe there. We just don't. The emphasis is on the wrong syllable or something. Okay. You know, we're not getting a full view. Emphasis is on the wrong syllable. I haven't heard that before. I like that. You should use that as an English teacher. Probably going to. It's a smart joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, going to go right over their heads. With with COVID. There's end time implications in that people think that that could be a mark of the beast too, I think, in that mm -hmm. global well, vaccine yeah. passports, you know, uh, microchipping, mm -hmm. a global vaccine that, you know, you vaccinate everyone. People and they, are 100% saying this is, this is the mark of the beast. I'm, I'm so disheartened sometimes because it seems like the people that spend your entire childhood telling you, we're living in end times, Jesus is coming soon. All this stuff happens and you're like, whoa, he's coming real soon, right? And they're like, ah, I don't think so. And I'm like, what evidence do you need? You know, like we have right. global sickness, global strife, global misinformation wars, and a, a bonding together of like kind of this global human religion that is this humanity-based woke religion. And 
um, it seems like the people that actually think that it's the end times and are posting to Instagram or Twitter about mm -hmm. that are the crazies. Yeah. Isn't that weird? And in my mind, I'm like, it hasn't gotten bad enough. It hasn't? No. Like, and I think, <laughs> I think there's a lot of terrible things going on. But in my mind, I'm like, it's going to get worse before, before it gets better. Well, I mean, depending on where you are in the world, I think in America, right. it's been pretty yeah. good for pretty long. Um, but if you were in uh, Afghanistan right now, it's I mean, awful. I feel terrible for, you know, I want to take all of this with a grain of salt and try to think about this from multiple vantage points. But mm -hmm. um, it's sad to see Christians are being hunted door to door in Afghanistan right now. Uh, women are being rounded up from 12 up and Lord knows what's happening to them. Um, you know, the, the Taliban just basically in 11 days after our withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan, without really any bloodshed, just kind of, it sounded like everybody in Afghanistan was on the take mm -hmm. and just kind of like abandoned their precincts, their city centers and you know, the, the magistrates went away and I, I don't know what all happened. I think they executed some people for sure, but just Taliban takeover completely. That's, that's terrifying. There's uh journalists over there. There's Americans over there. We literally saw like a world war Z or like, do you remember the American horror story where they have to go to the bunker mm -hmm. and the, the private jet pilot is like shooting those people that are trying to get on the jet. And it's like, that's real in times looking stuff there. Yeah. You saw that scene like World War Z style in Afghanistan as people were like charging this plane to try to get out of the country. Yeah. And I think that it's we just have no concept here in America for the most part about what others go through in this crazy world. And that was disheartening to see. Um, a lot of people are taking Joe Biden to task over this and calling for action and blah, blah, blah. And I think that we got a resurgence of troops that were sent back or something to that effect. But um, I've, I've heard multiple vantage points on this. And I actually have to say, I think Biden, this might be something good that he did. Yeah. In that, I want to be very clear that every president has talked about withdrawing from all of these different places mm -hmm. over the course of their tenures. And most of them succumb to the industrial military complex and, you know, just the, the neoliberal narrative that we need to be everywhere and stay there. And they didn't want to have to withdraw and inevitably show that we hadn't been able to accomplish anything there. Yeah. We didn't set up a good democracy. We didn't set up a Republic. You know, it took 11 days, mm -hmm. you know, for them to successfully take back over. Right. So we've spent two plus trillion dollars over there, 20 years. How many hundreds or thousands of American lives, not to mention Afghani lives and, you know, people like that, um, just to show that it was all for naught. Mm -hmm. I think that Biden basically came out and said, first of all, it was your boy Trump that negotiated this. Like he wanted to meet with the Taliban at Camp David for crying out loud, negotiated this peace treaty or whatever, where we would withdraw from, you know, Afghanistan in April or May of 2021. And um, Biden comes into office, inherits this deal. And, you know, it goes through as consecutive, like agenda items from a Republican administration to a democratic administration. And 
he was like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this on schedule. And then when it did happen and the inevitable occurred, he kind of came out and said, this was inevitable. But I had the cojones, unlike any other American president, to admit that this was always going to be the case. Yeah. You know, like this was this bandaid was never going to come off clean and nice and you were all going to be happy. It is what it is. And it was kind of a Trumpian moment in some ways mm. um, when he said it is what it is. But um, yeah, he's taken a lot of flack for this. And I don't know if everybody knows that this was actually inherited Trump policy that Biden just executed, knowing that he was ripping off a Band-Aid that likely needed to be ripped off. Right. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't I hadn't heard probably should have watched it, but I haven't heard him speak on it yet. But I'm going to want to look I want to listen to that. Um, the U S embassy issued a new security warning on, on, uh, this morning telling Americans in Afghanistan not to travel to the airport without individual instruction from a U.S. government representative. But that was interesting. Um, yeah. A woman gave birth to a baby on the flight out of Kabul. Mm -hmm. Um, Goodness gracious. And they were separated, right? Or no? I haven't read that part. There was one where I saw a baby like being handed over um, like the barbed wire. Oh, like, my re- goodness. Being, being, returned, being returned to the parent, which you know, oh. is a good thing. So thank goodness. Dude. <sighs> it's so weird when you realize how programmable we are. We just get familiar with the humans around us. Mm-hmm. And because I remember experiences that I've had with you. Brad, in the past, we have a relationship and I have a comfort level and I, my life has meaning and joy because today I'm spending time with you and I've spent time with you before. Mm-hmm. But if you were just somebody I'd never met when we were sitting on the bus next to each other, I don't feel that same. And when people are separated from one another, like you just realize like what a, what a simulation this is in some ways, you know, like you can just drop us in and out of environments and time periods and Mm -hmm. we're going to act in very similar ways. Going back to your end times comment, like I've often made this comment to my family that, you know, were Jesus to come to be crucified and all that in 2021, none of us would follow him. You know what I mean? Like if that story were to take place present day, none of us, not even if you bore witness to some of the miracles that he performed. Like what we think it was just like a um, not following David Blaine an act, right? You know, yeah. I'm not following uh, mm-hmm. you know, any of these magicians. Yeah. Now I don't know what it was like when water turned to wine, or mm-hmm. you know, walking across water or whatever. But you know, I've seen some Netflix specials on magic mm-hmm. and you know, uh, perception, illusory. Like, do you remember the Great Push or the Big Push? Which one was that? The one where they basically said we can set up we can stage a sequence where somebody will push somebody off of a building yes and they're only like less than a foot or foot off the ground right no they're on top of a building but everything is staged where they think that this person was dead and then he's Uh alive and you know it's a darren clark okay maybe he has two netflix specials go look this up folks because you know you claim that you're whoever you are, but I really think that nature and nurture, you get into the right situation mm-hmm. and we can control you a hundred percent for the most part. Um, it, it was you just amazing. Easily fooled. Yeah. It just yeah. goes back to your whole, like, this is my perception of my reality. This is mm-hmm. my consciousness. Yeah. And I could 
Somebody upstairs could flip a switch and I could just as easily open my eyes. That TV isn't there. You're not there. There's different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. Okay. We probably lost the tots completely here, but um, the Taliban have seized power in Afghanistan two weeks before the U.S. was set to complete its troop withdrawal after a costly two-decade war. We weren't even out. Okay. The insurgents stormed across the country, capturing all major cities in a matter of days as Afghan security forces trained and equipped by the U.S. and its allies melted away. (laughs) Yeah, they were all paid off. Here's a look at what happened and what comes next. What is happening in Afghanistan? The Taliban, a militant group that ran the country in the late 1990s, have again taken control. The U.S.-led invasion of Afghanistan in 2001 ousted the insurgents from power, but they never left. After they blitzed across the country in recent days, the Western-backed government that has run the country for 20 years collapsed. (laughs) It was never set up. Afghans, fearing for the future, raced to the airport, one of the last routes out of the country. They're worried that the country could descend into chaos or the Taliban could carry out revenge attacks against those who worked with the Americans or the other government. Many also fear that the Taliban will reimpose the harsh interpretation of of Islamic law that they relied on when they ran Afghanistan from 1996 to 2001. Back then, women were barred from attending school or working outside the home. They had to wear the all-encompassing burqa and be accompanied by a male relative whenever they went outside the taliban banned music cut off their hand the hands of thieves and stoned adulterers the taliban have sought to present themselves as a more moderate force in recent years since taking over they have promised to respect women's rights forgive those who fought against them and prevent afghanistan from being used as a base for terror attacks but many afghans are skeptical of those promises yeah i don't know if i'd fully trust them Oh my goodness. Some were so desperate they clung to the side of a military yes. jet as it took off and then plunged to their deaths. Yes. I didn't know that. US troops used helicopters to try to disperse the crowds and fired warning shots in the air. At least seven people died in the chaos. What the what? That was the most uh I don't know what the worst visceral moment from 9/11 was that you had. But for me, the footage of people screaming as they plunged to their deaths and jumped, that's what did it for me. That was, that was what tore me up. I was 11. Mm -hmm. Uh, that really upset me. I'll never forget that at that age. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, likewise people falling like September 11 was, uh, when I was 11 and then when I was 12, you know, that gentleman, I told you about the gentleman that committed suicide mm-hmm. at the mall. Mm-hmm. You know, I was at Galleria, yeah. heard him yell, watched his shoe fly through the air, and then watched the pool of blood disperse around him wider and wider as he lay in between the skating rink and the Santa's workshop where people were taking photos. Yeah. You know? Um, I was telling somebody that story the other night because we were having dinner across the street from where I'd seen somebody else jump from a 13th floor and commit suicide in Uptown at West Village. And I'm like, huh, I have a couple of these little experiences. That's weird. Yeah. That's wow. What, what have you heard about Afghanistan? You say that you haven't been following the news cycle as, as closely mm-hmm. throughout the summer. I, I'm, I'm slowly getting back into it. Um, 
I mean, honestly, I get back into it because I know students sometimes just pop up and ask me questions. Like I haven't gotten anything in this regard yet, but um, I definitely, I can already tell that I have some really inquisitive students this year. So that are going to want my opinion, not that I'll full on give it, but I at least want to be educated and know what's going on so I can combat the ideas of their parents. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. What your original question is just like, what, what have you heard about? Like, uh, yeah, it made it, it made it to you. It made it to you. So read. it's serious, right? Like it's dominated the news cycle. And I think yeah. it started happening over a weekend. Mm-hmm. I think it was last weekend or whenever. Yeah. And I was like seeing it starting the trend, but it was Monday that I was, when I was watching more of the news cycles, like yeah. back in the daily grind, I was like, Oh, well, and it, uh, the things that I've noticed is it's just kind of odd that a lot of people that I felt, you know, one of the troops out of there, I, I feel like they didn't like it because Biden was the one to do it. And had it been Trump, maybe they would have had different thoughts on it, like the same results, but from a different person. Um, I think it, that's it, where it's being played out on both sides because Trump in his you know, he, he's, he's a genius and he's an a-hole at the same time. Um, you know, he came out and was like, Joe Biden should resign. This is Mm -hmm. disgraceful. And it's like, dude, he's just executing the policy that your administration wrote, you know? And then Biden had the cojones. This is where Biden as a president is very powerful, where he knows that he shouldn't be president. He knows that, you know, he was the the dementia riddled Democrat that they threw up there with the name recognition to take over the big bad guy. Yeah, you gotta and know. He is a vessel for that for a lot of people, just the way that Trump was a vessel mm-hmm. for the other side. Sure. Um, I think it was, um, I think it's amazing and selfless that he's like, he kind of came out and said, What did you expect was going to happen? Yeah. Did you ever think that, you know, I'm not gonna, gonna sugarcoat this for peaceful you? Peaceful exit? Yeah. Nah. It's kind of like people were comparing it to Vietnam. Like, should we still be in Vietnam with like a great presence in Vietnam? No, yeah. you know, get out of there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm that us commenting on all of this is so stupid and mm-hmm. speculative because I think all this comes down to is money. Sure. I think that, you money, know, money and resources, money, resources, you know, we needed Afghanistan for a while for its mineral rich deposits. And then, you know, Texas starts taking over oil and gas and, oh, we, do we need Afghanistan as much? Like, you know, my friends that went over to Afghanistan when they were enlisted men, you know, they were garden poppy fields. 94% of global opioid, um, like hash, um, um, just opium. Mm-hmm. opium that makes all this different stuff 94 percent of it originates from afghanistan really 100 percent a hundred percent so that is their it's like a six billion dollar industry over there right and the fact that they have 94 percent of the world's opium originating from their poppy fields is insane mm-hmm. um i think that the the military industrial complex big big money big pharma i think that there's a lot going on here that you know, there's a very select group of people at the top of the world Mm -hmm. that control things fiscally. And I think that there's so many geopolitical things that are occurring, uh, mainly due to, you know, Halliburton, you know, Microsoft, 
uh, Lockheed Martin, right. you know, like this is the greatest thing that probably happened for the military industrial complex. If we have to go back to Afghanistan, you know, the Taliban took over all of the tools that those companies built. Mm -hmm. We just left them there for them. Yeah. Seems like sometimes that's a nice little lead gen source is what I'm saying. Like you spend a little bit of money to acquire a lead that I'm going to sign into a premium recognition customer for $25,000 a year. Maybe we paid $5,000 to get that all the way through in terms of a, a cost to acquire a customer. Mm -hmm. Well, Lockheed or Halliburton or any of these big, you know, North Grumman, or I don't know what I'm talking about, all these, you know, military contractors, what's the greatest way to ensure ongoing business? Like this was just a little bit of business development, baby. Right. Leave a couple tanks for the Taliban. Yeah. We're going to have to get more to fight them. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. We have this huge insurance policy in terms of missiles, you know, jet fighters, like all the different equipment that we have. And really the real war is going on in between our two eyeballs and on our fingertips in the yep. internet. Yep. Just a click away. So does all that do a little bit of justice to, I guess your original question, like yeah. in, in some of the breaks for this show that, you know, I was looking up stuff to talk about, like I look at the AP news and when you look at things with COVID lockdowns, Afghanistan, all the geopolitical stuff, and then also just climate change, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, what was it? Was it Henry hurricane Henry? Yes. That just made uh land. Was it landfall? It just touched down in Rhode Island. I heard that they, the Northern trust is going on this weekend. It's the first playoff event for the PGA tours, uh, playoff series. So the top 125 in the FedEx Cup standings from the season were battling it out. I think in Trenton, New Jersey, beautiful background view of like the entire Manhattan skyline. It's yeah. awesome. And they are not even playing today. They're going to finish the Northern Trust tomorrow on Monday Oh, wow. because the, the storm is supposed to be so severe. They had to wait. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, like, you, like you were saying, I mean, just with all that going on, it's crazy times. Um, but yeah, you definitely answered my question. What are end times in your mind? Because is there a possibility where between COVID, between all these pandemics that are, I think we're going to be in for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. I think that you and I will be wearing masks for the rest of our lives sporadically. Sure. Yeah. I, I do believe that, especially if world population continues to increase mm -hmm. and the ability to like just travel everywhere and yeah. spread things like this, you know. How does it make it from this remote Wuhan place to everywhere in the world? Mm -hmm. um, is there a possibility that the end times are just that the ice caps all melt? We all die of COVID um, or we're, you know, Miami and California kind of like Pangea off. They're underwater, like yeah. California wildfires. Like, is there a possibility that all this just ends in terms of human existence? That could be an alternative. Um, and maybe like I know other Christians have like been oppressed and everything, but you know, like whenever we're growing up, we're led to believe that, you know, our faith is going to be tried and I haven't really been met with any obstacles in that regard. And so sometimes it's difficult, it's difficult for me, but I have to intentionally like separate myself from like my experiences and the experiences of others and what they've gone through. Because I mean, like you were saying uh, with the, Christians in Afghanistan, you know, they're 
they're being tried and um, taken out. And so I guess I can't just think of it from my perspective, but if I were, then I'd, I'd say like not enough. I don't know all the things that I was led to believe that were going to happen as far as the mark of the beast and, and my faith being tried, we'd have to run, run for the Hills and things like that. I mean, I, that just hasn't been my experience. I mean, you what know? is the mark of the beast? Right. I, who knows uh, you know, it used to be a barcode. Yeah. And, yeah. Like on your hand or your forehead or something. Uh-huh. Did we buy that? No, 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 we don't. Do like you and I, or yeah, I'm asking you, do you still buy that? No, I I don't know if I ever, did you always interpret that as speculative or I I mean, look, this, this was like presented to us in middle school when we're like the Catholic church, uh, you know, the little horn and you know, the Pope's going to pass the Sunday law and like, I, I'm not wholly convinced that, um, that's the case anymore. Okay. I'm open to other interpretations or ideas. Yeah. Like I still, I still like, you know, I'm looking through my perifs, you know, <laughs> I got my eyes on them, yeah. but <laughs> like that has not been on, on my radar. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're still so new, dude. We've only been writing things down for, 2000 years on kind of paper you yeah. know the rest is on caves and stuff you mm-hmm. know like I, I don't know yeah we definitely don't have it we all figured anything. out folks yeah you know what i watched this week that took me all the way back what's that malice at the palace oh yes did you, you watch, watch? The, no i that's like i was probably gonna watch that tonight yeah um, it's it's dope. I'm, I'm hyped they got reggie miller yeah because um, a lot of these people have never spoken on it before right or, no yeah. no 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 and like it man I remember how upsetting it was to me. Mm-hmm. I remember so, tweeting about it. For our less um, sports inclined or sports enthusiasts, what was the malice at the palace? It was uh, November 19, 2004. Mm. It was the night before my 15th birthday. Oh, nice. I was getting my uh, permit the next day. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So my driver's permit. Um the NBA, uh, Indiana Pacers had long had Reggie Miller, you know. Reggie Miller's looking good. Home t- <laughs> what is that from, dude? <laughs> Some YouTube. Dude. I was like an announcer. Yes. Uh, uh, dude, you just took me back. Uh-huh. Like, you just unlocked something in my, my memory I'm trying to get <laughs> we'll, back We'll now. just type that into YouTube after the show. I well, picture something uh, that you showed me at Southwestern yeah. back in the it, day. Yeah, that's when it Reggie was. Reggie Miller's looking good. Uh-huh. I think it was that guy that did the fake sport. He did the sports announcer yes. tryout, and he's uh-huh. like, uh, uh, from Dunn Lane, and <laughs> yeah. he, he nails it. Or, <laughs> yeah. uh, boom goes the dynamite. And boom goes the dynamite. Yeah, oh my that's, goodness. that's the tag right yes. there. There's a bunch of people that know what we're talking about uh-huh. right now. Uh, <laughs> so what were we talking about? Okay, Reggie, Miller. Palace of the Palace, yeah. Reggie Miller had been there for forever. Hometown hero. Hoosier. Indiana Pacers weren't anything to shake a stick at. Then they go out and they get you know, 20 year old Jermaine O'Neal, who I remember loving to watch. Uh, they went out and got Ron Artest, who was the craziest <laughs> dude. Yeah. And then finally they went and added Steven Jackson on top of all of that. I didn't remember. I was like, I've heard of Steven Jackson in the last year or two. What is that from George Floyd's cousin? Oh, did you know that? No, I didn't. They look 
identical. Really? Like they look so they look like first cousins or wow. brothers. Like okay. Stephen Jackson was uh was George Floyd's first cousin, I believe. Oh, okay. And you see the the likeness in this interview so much. But yeah. Stephen Jackson was just a beast of a basketball player. So they go out and they assemble this squad and the big bad Detroit Pistons back then mm-hmm. had Richard Wallace, you know, Chauncey Billups, Ben Wallace, no, Richard uh, Jefferson. Okay. Richard Jefferson. Remember the mask? Yes. Uh, ben Wallace, uh, Rashid Wallace. Okay. Remember he had the the one bald spot in the middle of his uh, I, sweatband? I think I know. Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. They had a beast of a squad. And so the Pistons had knocked the Pacers out in, I think, the the Eastern championship series the year before Mm -hmm. and so this was kind of a a rivalry and november 19 was the first meeting of the two teams in the 2004-5 season um at the palace at auburn hills which is where the detroit pistons play what i'd forgotten was how dynamic the palace at auburn hills was compared Mm -hmm. to every other sports arena where the nba was played like they were the ones that pioneered the whole ben wallace like their announcer was so dynamic and they had you talk about like the sixth man as the fan. Oh, for sure. They're like the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. Where like they make the most noise, they're the most energetic. And so anyway, they have this normal routine game, you know, it's the first regular season meeting between the two teams and late 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 in the game, Ben Wallace shoves Ron Artest mm-hmm. for something and they kind of get into a little spat. And, you know, Ron is going through all this like therapy. He's being taught count to five, take yeah. five deep breaths. Anger management. Type he stuff. goes and lies on the scorer's table, just lies down horizontally on the scorer's table. And an idiot fan uh, throws a Coke at him and it connects yeah. right on like his neck chest. And it pisses him off so bad that he jumps up to see who it was and charges into the stands Mm -hmm. to make contact with who he thought was the fan. He went right past the fan that threw it at him and just clocks this other guy. Well, everybody jumps on Ron Artest because they're all Detroit Pistons fans. They start walloping on him. So then Jermaine O'Neal is like, you know, my brother is in the stands getting pummeled. I need to go save him. And so he jumps into the stands in response. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, you know, there's just a bunch of people in the stands throwing punches. It gets back down onto the court. They interviewed the season ticket holder who got slugged by Ron Artest. You remember the guy that kind of squared up on the court? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That but guy was, he was losing his season tickets that night regardless because he'd been a problematic fan from wow. the Pistons perspective. Mm-hmm. So they interview him at length. It's This documentary is okay. amazing. I'm excited. And uh, so it just ends up being this terrible, like, it, it was a brawl. It was uh you know, malice at the palace. What a great headline, by the way. Yeah. yeah. It, it resulted in a season long suspension for our test, 30 games for Jermaine O'Neal and 25 games for, uh, Steven Jackson. I forget what Ben Wallace got served with, but it crushed Reggie Miller's championship ring dreams yeah. because he just lost, he lost his three starters, superstars. Right. Um, what you don't know about all that is just how much the NBA scapegoated those individual guys as the thugs mm-hmm. that were dealt with. Cause like the term thug 
they they did like the media count on that like how many times did thug appear in newsprint media mm. cable news like and they did a mashup of that and it was like the nba like hip-hop culture thug oh, culture yeah. you know it was kind of all of the dog whistle terms that we now today recognize as like problematic yeah. like you know you and i don't typically refer to people as thugs because it's like that has a connotation right um so anyway th that was very prevalent back then and in an effort to uh to just deal with that they really scapegoated these guys individually yeah and that's when the the dress code came out you remember oh, they true. they yeah. had to put away all the do-rags and oh my goodness go into like you know full suits and mm -hmm. the behavior policies and it was david stern that really leveled that suspension and so i feel like they did a really good self-aware job of kind of illuminating like where all these players netted out from this because reggie miller retires at the end of the season 18 years as a uh, indiana pacer never got the ring one of the greatest most prolific players of all time yeah. I, I guess he never got the ring oh, wow. ron artest goes on to change his name to meta world peace yep. he wins a ring with the los angeles lakers and really he's shown for having the weaker character that he had during that time mm -hmm. in the documentary and kind of admits to that yeah. steven jackson is hilarious is he he's hilarious to watch he kind of he's really self-aware of like what actually happened and he's the i don't know if it was him or who said it but they were like jermaine o'neal got the brunt end of the stick because mm -hmm. he was all he cared about was winning yeah. you know like so he was his dreams were dashed based on all of that and he was at this just pivotal moment in his career where I don't think he was ever surrounded by the same star studded cast or perceived in the same manner because these guys for the next 10 years were marked with this, you know, brawl moment. Yep. It was such international news, like wall to wall sports center coverage back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Really fascinating. Yeah. I'm hyped to watch that. I really enjoyed that. Nice. It's only about an hour long, but it just took me back because watching documentaries about things that impacted me at like 10, 15, mm -hmm. 20, it's really wild. Yeah. It, it's exciting as human history progresses, the majority of our lives, there's like video documentation mm -hmm. of where, you know, we don't have to go back and see like some grainy black and white. It's like, no, you know, we're about to see documentaries where the original subject matter was shot in 4K. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, that's what I love so much about The Last Dance. Um, and then I've been watching that HBO series with the Cowboys. Uh, have you? Hard Knocks? Uh-huh. No, I haven't watched. Yeah, so the two episodes are out so far. But that's that's gotten me hyped for the season, even though, you know, they've lost their um, um, preseason games. But um, Is Des Bryant still out there catching footballs, lying down like he's going to get signed by somebody? I don't think so. He... He said, I saw I, a tweet recently. I, that, I think I saw a tweet that said he's going to be at all of the Cowboys games until he gets signed. So he's under the impression that he will get signed, but until then, we can be we can be sitting right next to him. Wasn't he supposed to be signed by the New Orleans Saints? Um, I I think he was supposed to start getting signed around the time that COVID happened, and I don't know if that put a stop to all of that or if it was just a coincidence um so i don't know okay i don't want to make excuses for it like i don't i don't know what happened but 
Um, I did see that Tim Tebow was released from uh, who was he playing for? I don't know. He he was he wasn't a QB anymore. He was a tight end. Um, what is his actual profession? And people people were like making fun. Um, he just makes the practice squad of like the New York Mets and whatever football team he was on, and like I don't. Oh, he was uh, released from the Jaguars. Uh, that's what I thought. Jacksonville, like his whole brand now is like being a famous collegiate athlete with John three sixteen and all of that. He's just a celebrity for everything else. Yeah. I've seen him commentate. He's been a pop culture figure. He makes these practice squad squads every 24 months or so. And mm-hmm. it's like the talk of Twitter, but what does he actually do? Like, I feel like he's made millions of dollars, not really playing. Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, most people just know him for his faith and, you know, he was able to sell some books off of that and um, I guess kind of stay in the limelight every once in a while. You remember uh, one of the most celebrated collegiate quarterbacks of our young lives that went on to basically do diddly squat in the NFL? Mm -hmm. You know who I'm talking about? Did diddly squat in the NFL from the Cowboys? No. Famous collegiate quarterback that transcended into pop culture. Oh yeah, um, uh, draft Drake's draft day. Uh, dude from A and M. No, no. Well, okay, so Johnny Football, Johnny, Johnny Football, Menzel yeah. is another one, but I'm talking about Matt Liner. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Matt Liner with USC. Yeah. Remember how he took ballroom dance as a mm-hmm. four-hour credit class elective, and that was like his only course because yeah. he wanted to stay at USC for like a fifth year. Yeah, I mean. And then he was so good looking, he started dating the starlets and stuff. Like, wasn't he with Jessica Simpson or somebody for a while? Maybe so. But he didn't do anything in the NFL. I don't even know what he's up to anymore. Isn't isn't he's not doing anything sports related? You want to look that up? I know that he was on college game day. I felt like he was still somewhat around in the media, but could be wrong. I went to, uh, you know what the biggest indicator is, is Instagram. Yeah. Um, his, uh, tagline or his, uh, handle is Matt Leinart QB. <laughs> he only has 29,000 followers. Oh, okay. Maybe he's not doing anything. Oh, four Heisman trophy. Dude, he yeah. was, he won the Heisman trophy the year of malice at the palace. Wow. Such a throwback seven year NFL vet. He's on FS one college football on Fox analyst. Okay. And he's promoting his uh, cameo and his that's oh, his URL nice. is his Dude, cameo. You want a cameo Sad. from him? Is that for your birthday? No. Okay. That would be such a letdown. <laughs> Yo, I got you this crazy celebrity Heisman <laughs> trophy winner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like OJ Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Twitter fam. Just wanted to throw a shout out to Carson Gibbons on his birthday. <laughs> Hope you got a nice pair of gloves. I love watching OJ Simpson's Twitter. Yeah, he's great. He, <laughs> it's amazing. Just something menacing about. No, no, it seems threatening. No, I, yeah. I feel like he's grandpa, man. Nah. I'm like, he's putting on a glove. He's like, hey, backed up here on the golf course. I watch, Twitter I watch one of his TikToks and I'm like, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's talking about who nah, else? I don't did care it. what he's talking about. He could be talking about ice cream. Uh, there's something. There's like a twinkle in his eye like he got <laughs> like he got away with it i mean he's he's living the life he's just on the course every freaking day yeah love it yeah so lucky he's in florida where they can't touch whatever pension he had set up through the nfl mm. so he's making you know he doesn't have the fortune that he had but 
I think he's getting broken off like 30k a month or something. Jeez. I could work on that for the rest of my what life. A life. Yeah. Just put me on 30k monthly recurring revenue. Easy. Yeah. What would you do though, bro? I often have faced this question because so much of what I am trying to do with my career is be done with it. Yeah. You know, make decisions where it's like astronomical risk, but then astronomical return. Yeah. And when I'm forced to face the question of, okay, you, you get to exit this position at 38, you've mm -hmm. got $15 million. You know, you can set yourself up on direct debit for 30K a month for the rest of your life. Yeah. What would you be doing? This. Yeah, podcasting. Mm -hmm. What would you be doing the other six days of the week? Um, or would we go to three times a week? So, um, maybe. You know, we could start pushing it. I'd do it's something with music. Even like... I think used to, I'd want to be like a, like a curator, like we talked about. Um, but I think now I would want, hold on. I don't know what, let me think. I need to think of the title. What would you do? I would travel. I'm, I'm really about the, um, I want to take like year long vacations of sorts where I can, you know, essentially go to like 30 countries and, then come back and maybe work on a project that helps give my life purpose and meaning. And then, you know, they'll nothing lasts forever. So there'll be natural inflection points where I exit that project or I've served mm -hmm. my, you know, timetable of efficacy for it. And yeah, if I had the money, I would have a music label and put my friends on. Okay. And they would still own their rights for their music. So, because one of the main things is like, I want to be independent artist because I want to have, you know, rights to my own things, but I would allow them to have that. And I would just kind of, kind of put, uh, people that I believe in and put them on. That's what I would love to do from an investment perspective across music, film, you know, comedy, um, sport, you know, I would love to, I'd love to have a young tour phenom, a young Grammy award winner, yeah. uh, a young Oscar award winning director, mm -hmm. like athlete, athlete, like, Oh, I said golf. So um yeah. athlete a, athlete <laughs> be an athlete um yeah that would be awesome yeah like getting to realize my own dreams through others realizing theirs mm -hmm. uh you know i like that let's do that done deal there's something else i was going to ask you about oh yeah with sports or something i can't remember baseball hockey football basketball. Uh, you know it's not hockey uh, the Rangers suck. Yeah, so bad. Yeah, do we have the worst record in the MLB? I believe we're th at, at the last time that I checked, we were third to last. But maybe we're, since <laughs> we're forty three and eighty. Yeah, <laughs> you know they're just. Can you tell me the Cowboys lost their first preseason game? Uh, the first two or. Didn't they just have their third one? They played the Texans yesterday and lost. I'm not even aware. Uh, Cowboys. Well, if we ever get this money, I would love to do more of these podcasts. Because oh, and three. Our our follower base is back. Like now that we're back weekly, our listens are back up. It was so funny. You'll notice that I tagged you in that golf crew on mm -hmm. IG yesterday. Finally got got the go ahead to create and form that group, but. We've been talking about going out golfing yes. on this show together and as a sign of good faith that I will have the patience, mm -hmm. uh, okay. and enjoyment to, but I need, I need everybody else to have that patience too. Oh 
Okay. They're or not the you, issue. You would be like the worst. Oh, always. Okay. okay. Always. Um, if you if if you've gotten through me and my personality Listen, hiccups, man, spread, I've, se- I've seen you in the morning without coffee. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll never live that down with you. <laughs> when you said earlier, you're like, I had coffee yesterday. I don't normally have that. That's yeah. immediately what I thought of. Yeah. I'm like, we'll never <laughs> move past this. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> seen you at your lowest. Seen I was you at like, your highest. I don't want to be around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. Um, oh man. Okay. Crap. Golf. Oh, okay. Golf group. Yesterday, mm-hmm. I went out golfing with John, Jeff, and Michael. Yeah. And uh want to do this like routinely. Mm-hmm. I uh want to golf with you, with Heston, with Scott, with David Richardson, with Peter. Uh Peter. Mm-hmm. Peter has offered to come back and play. He claims that he's not good. I think he's trying to ringer us and take some money <laughs> um off of our hands, but uh, I need to add. Did I add him to that? I don't think you did. Okay, we I will. Can add him. Yeah. I will. Um, but I started an Instagram group yesterday at Michael's uh, behest, and because I was inspired by the way that he started his F one group. You know, okay. I'm like, as guys get older, especially if we're not doing a routine poker night date or mm-hmm. golf meetup or podcast, like you and I have a good. We have the best friendship we probably ever had, partly because of the podcast and the yeah, regularity that for it sure. forces us to communicate. Um, same thing with this. So when we get back from Vegas, I think in two weeks, we should set up another golf date. You're in the foursome if you want to be, um, do, do I rent clubs? Do I borrow clubs from you guys? We'll set you up. So yesterday, Michael came to my place. He had, it was so funny. He had like the oldest pair of hand-me-downs ever, but the bag was like new age for its time. Like he had the bag that sat down and like kickstanded Mm, out and like, but then he had actual wood woods, you know? So I have extra sets lying around. So we beg, barred, and steeled, created a, a new bag. And then Jeff brought, I think, his brother-in-law's bag for John. Okay. And then John used my putter. And, you know, it, it was a great time. We had a great time. At one point during the round, uh, Jeff looks over at me right as I'm about to hit a shot. And he's like, sounds like you need a transgender person to interview for the show, huh? And I was like, oh. <laughs> it was just so funny out of the blue, the way yeah. that he said it. But um, we were laughing about that. And I was like, yeah, if you know anybody, yeah, <laughs> send them our way. But he was uh, he was not nearly as good as I was hoping. <laughs> no? Oh, man. <laughs> no, it was, I was anxious to see who did well, you know? And guess who the breakout star was 100%? Michael. Uh-huh. Really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. That's like, what's up. Shout out to Michael. You knew it pretty immediately like he he was ball striking he was getting nice air like he was hitting this nine iron pretty commandingly and he was making good contact we used some of his shots in this little scramble that we did we started out with like john and jeff versus carson and michael and then we quickly abandoned that because i was on yesterday were you Uh uh-huh uh up until the green okay up until the green i still couldn't putt to save my life but uh, I was, I was, I was nice. hitting it. I like that. Okay. Them. Yeah, I'm down. Um, we'll get out there. Really enjoyed that. I, uh, we, we got to go out and we played 18 holes of my home course, tennis and Glen. Uh-huh. I played Scott on Friday afternoon on tennis and Highlands. So I've had 36 holes in the last two days and, go. um, played really well yesterday, but we all went to little dinner and drinks after that Shelly came down and met up with us and it was just an awesome time to get to hang out and 
you that know, sounds like a good time. have some fun in the sun. So would love to have you come as well. I will. Would love to get yeah, have my word. Heston involved and mm-hmm. David and uh, David and Heston have actually played together and met one another. In, oh, really? In the past. Yeah. Cool. It's one of those. If you played 18 with somebody, you're, you're buds, you know, yeah. like, and I was talking to Michael yesterday about, um, he's more into the mixed martial arts and stuff than I am, but kind of on the Rogan track with jujitsu and all of that. And you know how Rogan is always talking about how jujitsu is so humbling Mm -hmm. that it kind of separates you from your ego and you're just more down to earth. Like I feel like golf does the same thing. Yeah. Cause even yesterday, like I was really, uh, I drove the ball really well. My Mm -hmm. fairway medals were impeccable and I was hitting, I was hitting greens, you know? And somebody said, Oh, I want, I want to take lessons from you. And I'm like, no, you don't Mm -hmm. like, come watch me tomorrow. Like this is a fluke, you know, it's humbling. Mm -hmm. It's the most humbling game. And I think that that's helpful in, in the relationship building. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You've, uh, you've gotten me intrigued. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's up on the docket for you over the next week or so? Oh man, working. Um, our house is going to be done in like a month. (laughs) Like we just, uh, went. So yesterday, Courtney and I, um, we went out to see Shannon and Austin, uh, one one time guests on our podcast. Went out to their restaurant, Omelines, and dude, they were bumping. Like, where had, where is that again? It's near Glenrose. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. And again, incredible food. They were so busy. Like, we just said, "Hey," on our way out, said, "What's <laughs> up?" Like, I, I mean, they were killing it in the kitchen. Um. But that food, uh, yeah, it was awesome. Did they just celebrate? An anniversary or uh-huh. something? Yeah. Did. Yep. Congrats yep. to them. And Shannon. A couple uh, years together. They're, they're, uh, Shannon's pregnant, and so they're going to be oh. having another baby. So that's exciting. Yeah, they have one. Uh-huh. So they're gonna, are they going to have two under two? Uh, maybe so. Because they left the I baby think... with somebody for your 30th. No, your 29th birthday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, super excited for them. The I mean, the food was incredible. If y'all haven't made it out there, Omelines. Um, but yeah, and then after that, we drove by our house and uh, the the flooring's in. They they still need to put down the carpet, but the that's so weird when you say we drove past our house. Like, what a wild experience must yeah. that be for you? Where you're like, oh, I'm gonna drive past the land that I own. Yeah, I mean, and we've been doing it from the start. So like, I have pictures whenever it was just mud. Like, <laughs> now we got a door and <laughs> all that, you know? You're like, I'm about to build a whole life on top of that mud. <laughs> Honestly, you know, like, I'm so excited. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, we'll just be doing that. We're just, I'm just going to be plugging away at work and um, all that good stuff. I don't, I don't really have much else going on. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to... Um ask for a week of PTO from the show. Mm -hmm. Sorry to ruin our little streak here, but going to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, a little bit on Thursday morning. And then I fly out midday Thursday and check into the cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. Awesome. Going to be back on Sunday, but a couple guys going out there to celebrate Michael and pending nuptials that he has upcoming. That's what's up. Can't wait to hear all the stories. I'll bet. <laughs> we'll uh, see which ones trickle down to the podcast tots too. <laughs> yeah. That's all I really got, man. Yeah. That, that, I think we're golden. Tots, um, we did it again. 80 episodes, 80 y'all. 80 episodes, baby. 80. 
Man. Next milestone's 90 and 100. Yeah, and then 110. <laughs> I mean, yeah, might as well. Yeah. We'll start doing Zoom podcasts or something. Yeah, something. Actually, have Let's you seen the All In podcast? Uh-uh. It's with, like, Jason Kalkanis and Chotham. Uh, he's, like, the VP fa- uh, of Facebook that's often quoted as, oh, we we built this manipulation yeah, machine yeah, or yeah. whatever. Like, he's a big VC, and okay. he's actually um, – I think he has a SPAC or something for the Clover Health Investments that I'm in, um, which I doubled down on this week. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Of course we did. Yeah. I'm also uh, buying Bitcoin. Yeah? I'm going to be just basically treating it like this 401k. Yeah. That's what I'm doing with Ethereum. Really? Uh, Yeah. Pump some more in. I'm thinking about just doing like money every pay period. Yeah. You know? I like it. Uh, but they have this cool podcast with a couple other guys that they do virtually and they okay. just pop up all over the world. And I was interested because uh, John had actually mentioned, I think John and Jeff, when we had happy hour a week mm-hmm. or two ago, mentioned that it was a cool podcast. And so it was weird to see that intersectionality of like Jason Kalkanis has been on my radar, mm-hmm. Heston's radar, Michael's radar for forever because he's like one of the most prolific angel investors of all time. Right. Like I went to his uh, the first time I went to San Francisco was to attend his conference. Nice. And then John's recommending this podcast, so I thought that was kind of a cool crossover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Any yeah, we'll we figure will, it out. We will reconvene in probably two weeks, yeah. week and a half, two weeks. But I wish you uh, much health and success in the interim. Good luck with those masks. Thanks, and buddy. Hope the student population remains healthy. Uh, yeah, I I definitely appreciate that. We're we're doing our best. Um. Want to give a shout out to Meredith. She she reached out to me this morning because her and Brian had uh, taken my suggestion and started watching Songland, and they she agreed it was much better than The Voice, and that they were hooked on that. Um, I'm gonna remind you to catch up on Dave so we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. You got two weeks. I, I think you know you could manage that. I've been I've been meaning to sit down and plow through that. I think I restarted episode one, and then I just need to I need yeah. to sit down. Right. Um, and, uh, that's all I got, man. All right. Uh, shout out to the tots. Thanks for listening. Yeah. We always appreciate it. Thanks for catching up with us each week. Uh, as you go back to work and school and Mm -hmm. daily commutes and whatnot, and, uh, we will catch you up next time. Later.